The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show, live on Sirius XM Channel 111 every weekday at noon east. Welcome to the Megyn Kelly Show and happy Friday. What a week it's been from an election day that went unexpectedly well for the Democrats again to the Republican presidential debate and now new polling in key battleground states. I mean, additional new polling after that New York Times Siena poll, which has some very, very good news for former President Trump. Meantime, the New York Times getting a taste of what it's like to be targeted by protests as pro-Palestinian demonstrators storm the Times lobby, charging the newspaper with genocide. (laughs) Everyone's a genocider now. You can't make it up. Plus, wait until you hear who is behind one of the latest gross teardowns of hostage posters. Joining me today for the full show, Charlie Kirk, founder and CEO of Turning Point USA and host of The Charlie Kirk Show. Charlie, great to have you back. How you doing? If you're on a GLP-1, you're probably loving the results. You look good. But how do you feel? How about the stomach issues? Loss of muscle mass? Lacking energy? All of those side effects can take a toll. So now what? The answer is GNC. We have solutions that can help address those side effects and make sure you don't get knocked off your path. Because when it comes to living healthy, we're all about it. And that includes keeping you going on your GLP-1 journey. GNC. Thank you, Megan. Good. Thanks so much for having me. So I want to get to these polls in one second, but let's just kick it off with the debate because I haven't had the chance to hear from you since the debate the other night. Uh, What did you make of it? And did you think it moved the needle at all? No, I mean, my favorite part of the debate, honestly, was Vivek Ramaswamy's opening statement. Uh, First of all, I totally agree with him that Rana should resign. We've talked about that on the show, and I think it's important given the uh, disappointing election results uh, this week about the lack of machinery and the lack of accountability uh, when it comes to uh, the RNC and how we're investing or not investing in these key states, especially with ballot chasing and voter registration. Uh, But honestly, what I thought was even better, the, the best part of it was when he put NBC News on the spot. And it didn't get nearly the attention uh, that I think it, you know, in, in the in the legacy media, but online amongst conservative influencers and kind of those of us on social media, we were giving standing ovations. Finally, somebody put it on NBC News. Uh, you had Welker there and Lester Holt that act as if they're these impartial moderators where they have been active pushers of disinformation. And it, well, it's not just one story, the Russia hoax, the Hunter Biden laptop, 
uh, you know, a lot of stuff with COVID, masks work, locking down schools, mm-hmm. vaccine is safe and effective. And, you know, Vivek Ramaswamy, he capitalized on this. And you and I have talked about this before, Megan. Let, you know, let me, I believe let me Governor Ramaswamy. Let me just play it, Charlie, just to refresh people on what he said, and then I'll let you pick it up. Please do. Second. Yes. Thank you. Why should you be the nominee and not the former president? I think there's something deeper going on in the Republican Party here. And I am upset about what happened last night. We've become a party of losers at the end of the day. It's a cancer in the Republican establishment. Let's speak the truth. I mean, since Ronna McDaniel took over as chairwoman of the RNC in 2017, we have lost 2018, 2020, 2022, no red wave that never came. We got trounced last night. This should be Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, and Elon Musk. We'd have 10 times the viewership asking questions that GOP primary voters actually care about and bringing more people into our party. You think the Democrats, and we've got Kristen Welker here, you think the Democrats would actually hire Greg Gutfeld to host a Democratic debate? They wouldn't do it. And so the fact of the matter is, I mean, Kristen, I'm going to use this time because this is actually about you and the media and the corrupt media establishment ask you the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that you pushed on this network for years. Was that real or was that Hillary Clinton made up disinformation? Answer the question. Go. Okay, keep going. Go. <laughs> no, first of all, I'm so glad you played it because there's, there's so many takeaways there, but he puts them on the spot. And, you know, they had this little smirk, Welker and Holt, and they said, oh, you know, let's leave our time for the candidates. They didn't know how to answer it because deep down they know that he hit their vulnerable spot, that he hit a weakness in the regime media, is that they masquerade as impartial moderators when in reality they're activists. They're activists on Meet the Press. They're activists on NBC Nightly News. And uh, honestly, I think it was a huge mistake and a largely unforgivable one for the RNC to partner with the NBC News in this way. But, you know, I I believe Governor Ron DeSantis is America's greatest governor. We've talked about that before, Megan. What a missed opportunity for Ron DeSantis not to do this in his opening statement. First question was to Ron DeSantis. And I'll be honest, he gave a canned political answer that made me roll my eyes. You know, gas prices are too high and people aren't. I said, forget it. Where's the kind of alpha male? Stop it. Where's the kind of uh, Fauci is awful and he used to fight with reporters. Ron DeSantis should have been like, are you ashamed of yourself, Lester Holt? Like, you hate <laughs> us. Why are you here? <laughs> right? Like, why, like why, why are you here? Like, you've attacked, like, that's the alpha Ron DeSantis we want. Instead, it's, well, you know, people are real and I feel your pain. It was like this fake Bill Clinton thing. And Vivek Ramaswamy, to his credit, read the room and he took the low-hanging fruit. Here you have Two debate moderators that are despised by the Republican debate, right? God bless you, Hewitt. I, I really like him. I've known him for years. You know, he didn't get enough airtime, in my opinion. Lester Holt he and did. Welker, they are not, you know, they're, they're, they're not fair. They're not impartial. They are activists. They are spokespeople for the American Democrat Party. It might as well be a Democrat super PAC that calls itself a media network. And Vivek capitalized on it. In addition, the stones that it takes, Megan, if I could speak bluntly, to say that the chair of the RNC should resign oh at an RNC-sponsored debate. Woo! That's some cojones right there. Well, right. And she's, I mean, she has been the scourge of a lot of Republican commentary because the Republicans keep losing. And so it's like, look, it's not just Ronna McDaniel. Trump is get he gets blamed. Ronna gets blamed. Anybody in, in the position of power and influence over these elections is going to get blamed because they keep losing. So everyone's got to take some responsibility. She had a one-liner yesterday, I think, with Stu Varney. He's at 4% in the polls. He needs to say something to get attention. Kind of dismissive of Vivek. 
Um, and look, I, you can't blame everything on Ron and McDaniel. I don't think the RNC has been doing a great job, obviously. Um, there's a lot of blame to go around, but I loved the fact that he called out NBC. I felt the same. I know why the RNC did it. NBC is a, bl- a big platform, very big platform, and they want eyeballs on the debate. And like, look, you know, you know, we're doing this partnership with News Nation for the next mm-hmm. debate. News Nation doesn't really have many viewers at all. Like it's a fledgling new news network that's just trying to get attention. So they're not going to get the hit for going with News Nation and yours truly and Eliana of Free Beacon uh, like you went with a bunch of leftists. But will the numbers be as big? Will the platform be as big? I doubt it. Right. It's not NBC News, which is right there on your cable dial as soon as you turn on your television. But at what cost? At what cost do you partner with them? Right. Because it's like, you know what you're going to get even when they try to be neutral. And last night or two nights ago, they did try to not sound like the Democrats. They, we know they are. Lester says he's Republican. OK, show me the evidence. Um, even when they try to be, they don't choose the right ins and outs on the questions. They don't come at the issues the way Republicans want them to come at. There were a bunch of issues that are important to Republicans that once again were left on the editing room floor. So you you can see the fact that these are not people who are interested in what what is motivating the Republican base. No, first of all, I'm thrilled you're you're doing the next debate, Megan. That that that's a step in the right direction because honestly, you're going to ask the tough questions very f- firmly and fairly. More, you know, that Univision person that was there a couple debates ago was just obviously had an agenda, and you're going to hold them accountable. And also, you have a really big audience of people of all different political backgrounds. And finally, Megan, I think, and I, I'm not, I don't know what you're going to ask, but I I would imagine you're going to get some answers on this trans thing, which I think is a civilizational defining issue, right? That has not received not any attention. By NBC. Right. Not, so I'm not, really not a question I'm re- it, because they know it's a loser. Right. So NBC, they'll talk about abortion, you know, six weeks, eight weeks. Hold on. What about 13 years for chemical castration? So I'm thrilled that you're involved. I think that's a huge win. I mean that. And I'll say this, though, just to push back on this distribution thing. I will say this. If the RNC thought a little bit more creatively, what if, if they would have done an open live stream with four Daily Wire hosts? I think that they would have had competing viewership of NBC News. I really believe that, Megan. If they would have had Candace Owens and Matt Walsh and Ben Shapiro or whatever, right? I mean, you could name these people across the board. Dan Bongino, who's not part of Daily Wire. Yeah, or Turning Point, right? We, we offered ourselves up to it. I, I would say that the the old muscle memory of the RNC says you have to go with NBC. And that's still largely the truth, right? They're, they're on YouTube TV, Direct TV. You don't have to think about it. You turn it on. But, you know, the, the whole the whole complaint that I hear is, oh, we're losing younger voters. And, you know, obviously I've dedicated my life to it and I have some insight into it. Well, why don't you have a different type of a debate then? Not just the Lester Holt and Welker hour. I think Vivek was getting onto something, which is Elon Musk, Joe Rogan, somebody off the wall, you know, a David Sachs type person that is very analytical, very fair, obviously anti-woke, asks the right questions. Have the All In podcast ask some of these questions. And the RNC, it doesn't need to be this elaborately produced thing in podcast culture. You know this, Megan, the content actually supersedes the aesthetic in some way. You don't need the $5 million stage. I mean, all that's fine, I guess. But what, what I'm getting at is that if, if the RNC was really operating in a way of reaching the most people and reaching primary voters, we have to remember that this is first about a audience of primary voters and I've spent a lot of time amongst Republican primary voters. NBC News is not exactly a fan favorite. I mean, it's kind of like 
um, it's a contaminated network at this place where people don't even want to go to that channel. And so I, I hear the distribution thing. The only, only argument that I'll give the RNC to all fairness is that this is an opportunity to be on a network to potentially persuade independent voters to vote Republican. I'm not convinced Republicans bickering with one another about high heels and daughters TikTok usage is a good look for independent moderate voters. That's going to yeah, happen in a primary fault. debate. That's the candidate's fault. Yes. You know, like they, I agree. You didn't have to go yes. lowbrow, right? Like they could have kept the, the fights more elevated and they should. I have to say, like, look, Nikki Haley, she drew blood off of Vivek, too, in the earlier debate, saying I get dumber every time I listen to you. That was personal. It was nasty. He came back this time around with, you know, Dick Cheney and three inch heels. People are saying it was sexist. I didn't care. I don't, I wasn't feeling like this was a sexist attack. Like, look, she does wear heels. Like, okay, I don't know, whatever. Um, he's pointing out she's, she's like Dick Cheney, only a woman. That's what he's trying to say. Uh, in any event, that's up to them. If they want to go lowbrow and sound like petty little, you know, school children, then that's not on the moderator or Ronna McDaniel. Only they control. And I would say, as, as somebody who's not a political advisor, but has been doing this a long time, if I were up there, I would try to make every answer about Joe Biden. I would try to make every yeah, answer I, about Joe Biden. Exactly. You know, if, if I had yes. a point of disagreement with my fellow Republican up there, I'd say, look, you know, kind of like Vivek says, like, I, I feel very differently about Ukraine than these people do. And this is why. Fine. That's that's fair. And he should do that. But for the most part, I'd be like, let me tell you about Joe Biden. How are they not freaking out on Joe Biden and the border? How is that like how are they not blaming him for all the money yeah. that we've given to Iran. They'll say all this in a one-on-one -on -one interview, but they get up there and they just shrink into the smallest versions of themselves. Yeah, and I, I, that, that's such a smart point, which is, I mean, if you're the Democrat Party, not only do you have a good election day on Tuesday, largely because of machinery and sophistication, and we, I'm sure we'll get into parts of that, but also you have to watch this kind of bickering match. And let's just also state the obvious. Is it actually a debate, Megan, if the front runner who has 60% of the approval is not there? It's something. I don't know what it is. I mean, it, it, it could be a forum. It could be a fun conversation. That's not really an honest and healthy debate, right? And Vivek is the only one to his credit. And I'll be, I want to be very fair. I, I told this to Vivek privately and publicly. I didn't like when he went after Nikki Haley's daughter. I, I, I don't like that. I think that's unfair. That's I don't like it. It's, you know, that's a very complicated thing. So I just want to put that there. Oh, your daughter uses TikTok. Like, I, I don't like it. Okay. Just don't touch but it. I still think he's, yeah, I think he's the winner of the debate. I think he did a, a better job than not. And especially he had some viral moments that were important. But Vivek is the only one that realized that the Republican base still likes Donald Trump. They enthusiastically are behind that. And one of the things that I wish they would have all could have agreed on instead of Chris Christie's like fake folksy New Jersey tough guy thing, which drives me crazy. It's like, hey, love him or hate him. It is morally wrong and unacceptable that the Department of Justice is going to lock the leader of the opposition party potentially in prison for 500 years. I mean, every answer <laughs> should be directed at that, right? And, and here's the buried lead, though. I think some people on that stage, Chris Christie definitely, maybe Tim Scott, maybe not. I don't know about DeSantis and, you know, may, probably Nikki Haley. They're not that bothered that that Donald mm. Trump might be facing that That's prison the only time. way forward. I, precisely. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. I, if I were one of them, I realize that they're trying to get the Trump voters and all that. But at this point in the game, I'd be going after Trump, too. What do they have to lose? Like they're, they're going to lose it, it. Like something needs to change in their strategy. Like 
I, you, it's up to them. They're the candidates. Make it all about Biden. Make it all about Trump. You know, be better on your substantive differences between the others up there. But like, just keep getting up there and saying like, my vision for this, my vision. My, it's like, you're not in that primary. That That is not this primary. You've got no. an 800 pound gorilla ahead of you in the GOP lane. You're not getting past him unless you, you go after him. That's my view at this point, because they're not getting Trump voters. So they can only consolidate support with the non-Trump voters. Yep. Or- mention Joe Biden and how you're going to completely erase and crush all of his politics. Like do something other than, as you point out, the petty squabbles where it's like, TikTok, what? Wait, why? What? I know. Well, and then, and also to your point, Megan, you know, God bless him. I think he's an honorable man and I've always liked him, but it makes me cringe when I hear Tim Scott's Morning in America redux. I mean, it's like his, it's, it's like, it's his, it's his default play. And I'm like, bro, it, it's this folksy and he's like, our better angels are tomorrow and we are an opportunity. And it's like, it is not 1988, man. Okay. Yeah, like that, yeah. that is falling flat. And it's, it's so like, and together we can unite. And it's kind of this, it's as if you were to script, you know, a, a political candidate. And honestly, yeah, the Republican base, they're pretty pissed. They're pissed that they don't have a border. They're pissed that there is a, traitor criminal, in my opinion, as president of the United States, they're pissed that we're borrowing $2 trillion a year. And it, the, the politics at its best, if you have an opposition party, actually focus the, focuses the energy on the incumbent regime. But that's a great point, Megan. I, I don't know the answer, but I think there was more attention focused on the infighting or just, I don't like you or you don't like me. And I like policy disagreements. I, I think that's a smart point. Rather than, hey, we're actually here to eventually go beat Joe Biden. I I didn't get that sense. Right. This is like they have such an opportunity this year in a way because the Dems obviously aren't having any primaries, though they should. They're not having any debates. They're not allowing anybody to go up against Joe Biden in the Dem lane. That's why RFKJ had to move over to independent. And we'll talk about some of these other candidates who are now popping up. It's getting interesting over there. Possibly Manchin, possibly Jill. Well, yes, Jill Stein. Don't write her off. She's not going to win, but she's a spoiler. She spoiled it for Hillary. Mm-hmm. So she's important. Um, so they're, they're not going to let anybody challenge Biden. So what does that mean for the Republicans? That's that. I think it's an advantage to them to have these debates going on. Even if one of these guys doesn't emerge as the nominee, which is unlikely, as we know, it's them up there talking about their issues and everything Joe Biden is doing wrong. If they would do it right, that's how this would sound. It would be two hours a night on NBC, on Fox on News Nation, whatever, to millions of, of audience members saying he's ruining the country. We all agree on that. And then focus, like tick off the reasons why, get specific, unleash all these amazing, yes. you know, minds on those issues so they can make the case over and over. And over. And that inures to the party's benefit, no matter who winds up being the nominee. They can't do it because, you know, you're naturally narcissistic if you run for president and they are in a contest where they have to beat the other guys around them. So it's just it's not turning into the opportunity it could have been. What a great point. Here you have, if that, that's the best argument to do an NBC News thing, right? So you get two hours to then make the case to connect the pain, misery, suffering, and discontent that people are feeling with an actual person that is doing it, Joe Biden and the Democrats. And that's the best, if only, argument to do something on NBC News. And I think yeah, it was largely a failed and missed yeah, opportunity. It's like occurring to me. What if they actually all got together before that debate and said, you know, clearly we can't stand each other's guts, but clearly nobody here is winning. So why don't we take this opportunity to make every answer about Joe Biden and the Democrats 
and the media and NBC. Let's like let's just keep turning it back. The Republican base would have been like, yes, yes, I love them all. I'm signing up and registering today. Yeah, you've you've uh, you've spent time around politicians, Megan, you know, to try to get, you know, five politicians who I mean, look, God, God bless them all. I, I know I know them. I don't know Chris Christie very well. The others I, I've known pretty well. You can't get them to agree on anything. And they they all they, they don't want to address you know, the big, you know, obviously the big one, Trump, some of Chris Christie said he's not even going to support him. if He's the nominee. And it does make you think, do all five on that stage is their top priority beating Joe Biden? I don't know. I, I don't think it is. I do not think the top, top priority is to beat Joe Biden and keep the Democrats out of power. I'm not, I'm not, especially for Chris Christie. That's, I don't think that's the case. Well, I mean, he, I think, what, what has he said that he's not going to vote? He's going to go third party. I can't remember whether he said he would actually vote for I, Joe Biden. I, I don't want to I don't want to get it wrong, but it's something where I'm not going to support Trump if he's the nominee, as if that's a real big blow to Trump's constituency. You know, yeah, right. right. The cr- I actually went back. Um, I was taking a look at some prior debates in preparation for this next one. And I, and I was playing that famous August 2015 debate with <laughs> Trump and Brett and Chris Wallace and I and me and um that was the opening. The opening question was from Brett Baer to all the candidates on that stage saying, will you pledge? He said, we know you don't like raise your hand questions. So this will be the only one. Raise your hand if you will not support the ultimate nominee of the party. And Trump was the only one. <laughs> Trump was the only one <laughs> raising his hand. And he said, you know, I can't if it's I, I got to be honest, if it's not me, I, I don't I'm not sure I can get behind any of these guys. <laughs> and it was, yep. He was telling the truth. I think at that point, very few people believed it really would be Trump. He was having a surge in the polls. He emerged that night as a front runner, went into it. But people always thought he was going to crash and burn. Nobody, you know, nobody thought he could pull it out. In any event, Chris Christie's saying it now. Trump got so much shit for saying that. Chris Christie's saying it now. He doesn't get as much shit for saying I'm not going to support the nominee. Um, like you point out, no one, no one cares about how Chris Christie is going to vote. Okay, so no. let me let me talk about this this poll and. Also, the new candidates, new-ish. Uh, the new poll today on the wake on the heels of that New York Times-Siena poll, and also a CNN poll, which actually we didn't even get to the other day, but so I'll just a highlight on the CNN poll, which came out after the New York Times poll. Uh, first of all, it shows that Trump leads Biden in a hypothetical rematch by four points now. So the, the lead is widening. In most of the polls about four months ago, it was Biden maybe up one, maybe the two of them tied, maybe Trump up one, in, in, in the rarer case, now you're getting consistently Trump, Trump up three, Trump up four, Trump up sometimes five. Um, most of the electorates say their mind is pretty much made up. 51% of voters say there's no chance they would vote Biden. 48% say there's no chance they'll vote Trump. So those, you know, Dem votes and Republican votes are pretty hardcore. Um, but here's one of the highlights out of it. Just, just amazingly, the, the black men of America is now supporting Trump. Black men in America are supporting Trump more than they're supporting uh, Biden. And it's by 49 to 46, three points uh, margin towards Trump. In 2020, among black men, Biden beat Trump by 34 points, Charlie, 34. And now there's been a 37 point swing in favor of Trump. That's amazing. Republicans have never had those kind of inroads with black voters. So before I get to the new Bloomberg poll, comments on that. 
First of all, if that ends up materializing, I mean, the, the Democrats' chances of winning go down significantly. I mean, Georgia alone, that will win Donald Trump, the state of Georgia. It will get him almost a guaranteed victory in Wisconsin. Arizona won't matter as much. And there's a lot of different reasons for that. Honestly, Megan, I think the trans issue is chief among them. I think the immigration, economy, trans are moving black men away from the Democrat Party. Uh, black men do not want to hear about their kids or grandkids you know, men becoming women or women becoming men. That, that dog does not hunt in the black community. Secondly, the economy is just trash, especially for people on the lower income ladder, people that work for a living, muscular class. And it's not just black men, but Hispanic men and Hispanic voters in general. And then finally, mass immigration. Uh, we are seeing the, bo the border continually wide open. Where are a lot of these illegals going, Megan? They're going into black neighborhoods. They're going into Chicago. They're going into New York. And you're starting to see kind of that spillover effect. You see a video here, or a video there. You have to really kind of search for it because the media is ignoring it. Uh, but, but there is rage in the black community about social services, schools being overrun, you know, uh, pri prioritization for the black community to get these sort of services. Say, oh, so no, sorry, this person from Nicaragua is going to get it first. If this ends up happening, Megan, it is a electoral and political game changer. Mm -hmm. It's huge. Uh, I don't think Republicans ever believed anyone could do it. And yet, Donald Trump is doing it. Okay, that, that leads me to Bloomberg today. You mentioned Georgia. My God, Trump up seven. He's up seven in Georgia. Now, it was very, very tight in Georgia between Trump and Biden last time around. Biden won by 11,000 votes. But seven right now for Trump, that's huge. Arizona, Trump up four. Pennsylvania, that was such a squeaker. Trump up three. Nevada, Trump up three. Nevada. I mean, the Republicans got trounced in Nevada in 2022 midterms. Wisconsin, Trump up one, just the one, but Wisconsin's huge. Um, North Carolina, Trump up nine, and Michigan tied. Michigan tied. These, th there's got to be an all-out panic. David Axelrod's going to go back on CNN immediately. Like, yes, would you exactly. Listen to me. I will take some of these polls with a grain of salt. I think this is a hit against Joe Biden. I think they're trying to just—they're trying to get the drumbeat going again, the David Ignatius kind of drumbeat. Joe Biden, you got to get out of the way. Joe Biden, you got to getting rid of Joe Biden is proving to be far more difficult. I think than the regime realized when David Ignatius wrote that piece. You know, Joe Biden must step out. David Ignatius is a spokesperson for the intel agencies. He wrote it in the Washington Post, and we saw very similar pieces come up. So. I think this polling is a little bit too good to be true. I think there is some truth to it. I think that Donald Trump legitimately is more popular if the election was conducted fairly and squarely and the RNC had its act together. I think Donald Trump, of course, wins. By how much? I, I do not know. But I think the main takeaway from this poll is they're trying to get rid of Joe Biden. Now, mind you, the problem with these polls, though, and I know we're going to talk about this, Megan, is it didn't factor in third party candidates. This is the hardest of all things to try to poll and to predict binary races. You could predict with some sort of precision. But in 2016, one of the reasons why the polling was so wrong is that people did not anticipate 150,000 votes for Jill Stein here and 80,000 votes for Jill Stein here. Well, now imagine, theoretically, you have Trump, you have Biden, you have potentially Cornell West, definitely Jill Stein, Manchin and Romney, maybe, we'll see about that, and RFK. How do you poll that? 
right? I mean, who takes from who at that place? And we can, you know, build, build that out and dissect it. So the only problem with that poll is that it was just a Trump v. Biden. And they said, you know, a third, you know, here's a third option if you'd like to choose one, unspecified, undefined. And but what it does show, though, is that the Democrats have a major incumbent problem and their machinery can only take them so far. Their ability to harvest ballots, their ability to, I'm not even talking about the illegal stuff. I'm talking about the legal stuff we know that they do. Their GOTV operation, their micro-targeting, their ability to communicate to very specific communities like young women on abortion or young black women on reparations, you know, a micro-target college kids on student loan forgiveness, whatever. They're very, very good at that using sophisticated technology and artificial intelligence. And Republicans are so far behind. But that machinery has limits. They can only do that. That probably is a three or four point boost at best. There's only so much of that if there is an overwhelming cascade of voters, especially when the the math gets super interesting, when a community like the Hispanic community here in Arizona that traditionally would go 65% Democrat is all of a sudden 50-50 Republican Democrat. The math is goes completely haywire for the Democrats. They, if they black can't men- that. They can't take those losses. No, they, they, they can't. They, they cannot win enough suburban wine moms back for the Democrat party that have anxiety over abortion if you have, if you're losing five Hispanics for every wine mom that you win in Paradise Valley. Like you, the math doesn't work, <laughs> right? No, and I, I, don't, I don't even mean that you know, as a pejorative, it's, no, it's just the no, thing, right? Um, what do you mean? We're not judging. Okay. What? Okay. Yeah, no, it's, it's just true. I mean, it's so, but there's the, so, so there's a lot of mystery to this and a lot of guessing. So my, my drumbeat every day that I hit Megan and what we're trying to do at Turning Point Action, our political arm is let's do the stuff that we know will make a difference. The boring, but necessary work, ballot chasing, registering new voters, engaging in early voting, keeping your head down and doing the difficult and tough work. Because if anybody, if anybody tells you they know what this election is going to look like, they are guessing and lying. When you have five different, that look, that feels like a European election, Megan, five or six yeah. different candidates. They're all going to be raising millions of dollars. And th there is a legitimate possibility, and we could dive as deep as you want into this, that no candidate gets the 270 electoral votes and it goes to the oh House my. of Representatives. Oh no, that, that I could I could walk you through what that would look like. I want right? you to do that. And, wait, wait, let's do that. Let's do that. But table it for one second. I'll squeeze in a break before we do third parties. But before we do that, I want to I want to point out that Joe Biden agrees with you that these polls are not necessarily to be trusted. He was confronted on um, the terrible polling by uh, Fox News's Peter Ducey and another reporter. Here's how that went. Why do you think it is that people should be more concerned about abortion access than your age? I don't think it's a comparable comparison. Why do you think it is that you're trailing Trump in all these swing state polls? Because you don't read the polls. There are 10 polls. Eight of them, I'm beating them in those states. Eight of them. You guys only do two. CNN and New York Times. Check it out. Check it out. We'll get you a copy of all those other polls. Okay? I don't believe you're trailing in battleground states. No, I don't. Mm, okay. So he, he, does, he says it's fake news. Sounding a little Trumpy. This is what everybody does when the news is bad for them. It's fake news. Yep. And then when the outcome of the election comes out in a bad way, that's fake, too. It's just like nothing. Nothing is bad for me. No, it, real. It, it, it'll be it'll be Putin. It'll be Jill Stein is a Putin puppet. Yep. That's right. <laughs> All right. Stand by, because what's happening in that third party lane is getting very interesting. 
We'll be right back. Charlie Kirk is with us for the whole show today. Happy about that. Tired of fighting your kids to make their bed? Say hello to Betty's. The unique design lets your kids make their bed with just a zip. Our patented bedding includes everything you need, a fitted sheet, top sheet, and comforter in one seamless piece that zips together. Kids love the feeling of accomplishment when they can make their bed by themselves every day. Make your mornings easier and visit Betty's.com. That's B-E-D-D-Y-S dot com. The political system is broken. The two Wall Street parties are bought and paid for. Over 60% of us now say the bipartisan establishments failed us, and we need a party that serves the people. Both parties are a danger to our democracy, expanding censorship, criminalizing protest, throwing competitors off the ballot, suppressing debates, rigging their primaries. We do have the power and we can use it in this election to start building an America and a world that works for all of us. She's back. That was Jill Stein. Welcome back to he here to all of you to the Megan Kelly show. My guest today is Charlie Kirk. So, you know, no, no one's going to vote for Jill Stein that we know. I don't think we, we know a single person is going to vote for Jill Stein. However, she matters. I mean, go, Jill, go. You go, sister. Green. Oh, Green I'm going to buy the shirt. Right? Jill Stein, right? You know, feel the Stein. <laughs> I love it. By the way, I, I just, you, you very, a couple takeaways from that video. People listening on podcast or on SiriusXM, I just want to make sure. She's showing imagery of the Palestinian protesters being arrested. That's a big deal for them. Understand that Jill Stein is going to get a boost because a lot of people in the Democrat Good base point. are pissed at Biden. There's a reason why she put that imagery on there, right? And in a state like Michigan, where you have hundreds of thousands of Hamas sympathizers, I'm not exaggerating, in Dearborn, Michigan, or in Minnesota, stuff like that can make a very, very big difference. So look, when you talk about third parties, it's very, very hard to predict, but you can look at trends. I I will die on this hill, Megan. I think RFK hurts Trump. I've said this to the Trump team. I see it firsthand. I think RFK hurts Donald Trump far more than he hurts Joe Biden, largely because Donald Trump is running a race of saying low trust of institutions, the DOJ is corrupt, the FBI is corrupt, the country's going to hell. RFK is saying that the vaccine companies and the pharmaceutical companies and the corporations are corrupt. So you have low trust in low trust of institution voters that are going to be competing for the same the same sort of candidates competing for those voters. Joe Biden is a high trust of institutions candidate where he says, hey, institutions are worthy of trust. This is the Joe Scarborough thing, right? Which is how dare you question the FBI? How dare you question the military? What are you non-patriotic? Honestly, Megan, what's incredible is Joe Biden's mantra, attitude, vibe, and messaging is identical to George W. Bush messaging in 2004. Identical. That if you speak against the military, you're anti-American. If you don't like the government, it's the same as not liking the country. It's very interesting to see this inversion happen. Mm. But then you have these other candidates, right? So Joe Biden's math gets messy when all of a sudden you introduce a Jill Stein. I don't know what happened to Cornell West. Did they buy him off or did they like threaten so him to put I him in Gitmo? I was looking at that too. He's right? still around. I guess he's no longer going to be the Green Party guy. Now he's going to run uh, as an independent. It, because the this queen feels green, like a blackmail thing. I, I got to be honest. He just <laughs> he's I, getting, no, I, I, getting pushed to this. He side. was talking like I know he was like the good old soul, you know, 
preacher pastor, you know, he has that vibe to him, you know, brother Hannity, you know, we need to have a reparations and all this. And he was going to like a fight for the people. And he was doing all these TikToks. And then the daily beast comes out with a story. It's true. They say Cornell West owes 10 years of back taxes to the IRS. And he just kind of, you know, backs away, backs That's away a little beast. bit. So I, I, racism playing uh, there, but listen, here's the, yeah. the fascinating thing about Jill Stein. We knew that she was a spoiler, but going back and reading just how big a spoiler she was is interesting, okay? This is from 11-9-2023, uh, WAPO. In 2016, Hillary Trump, Stein drew 1.4 million votes nationally as the Green Party nominee. But Democrats accused Stein of being a spoiler in a number of battleground states where the race was close. Clinton lost Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin to Trump by fewer votes than Stein received. Had Clinton won all three, she would have been president. I mean, think about it. I remember that anger. Like it was such a tsunami when Trump won. It was like, yes. there was like a gazillion news stories. This one was in there, but, you know, probably didn't get as much attention as it normally would. Jill Stein, really, you could make the, the case she co she cost the Dems the election. Yeah. And here's the amazing thing, Megan. Democrats use covid as a way to keep the Green Party off the ballot. The Green Party was not on the ballot in 2020. So Is it was not right? on the ballot in Georgia. Yes, because they weren't able to get the signatures. So the Democrats come in and they sue. There was no Green Party in Wisconsin, no Green Party in Pennsylvania. So you could make the argument that if the Green Party would have been on the ballot, Donald Trump would still be president. So, so you can go an even step further. So, so now, now you have coming into next year, you have Jill Stein that'll be on the ballot. I, I professionally debate, let's just say revolutionaries. I'm going to be really nice this morning, Megan. I'm on like three hours of sleep, by the way. I was at UCLA yesterday. It was, it was a really interesting. They do not like Joe Biden. They do not. And the more options that are presented that allow them to vote their conscience, I'm a young freedom fighting voter, the better. What the Democrats did in 2020 was so smart. They created a European equivalent of a vote of no confidence against Donald Trump. Very few people voted for Joe Biden. They voted against Donald Trump and the pressure cooker that was created around him. COVID death tolls on CNN, right? Race riots, uh, disorder in the country, panic, right? The, the kind of idea that the country was falling apart and Joe Biden was just kind of a return to normalcy, return to unity. We all know that was a bunch of crap, right? But that was the way that was framed. And they had to suppress the Hunter Biden laptop story and keep Joe Biden largely untouched to make that happen. Donald Trump is much better as an outsider insurgent candidate than an incumbent candidate. That's my personal yes. opinion. He's much better at calling out the flaws and the and criticizing an incumbent than defending a record. That's my own person. I think I think we're on the same page there. Yeah. So now we have this thing where Jill Stein if she gets the signatures, which the Green Party has somewhat of an infrastructure in Wisconsin, has somewhat of an infrastructure in Georgia, somewhat of an infrastructure in Pennsylvania, is that Joe Biden is now going to have to go to Dane County, Wisconsin, the home of University of Wisconsin-Madison, and convince younger voters to go vote for him. But honestly, there's other options. Some of the Rogan bros might go for RFK. The younger ladies might go for Jill Stein. The earth worshipers might go to Jill Stein. I'm saying that all of a sudden you're now you're now going to see that kind of five to six to seven to eight point erosion. And then Joe Biden has a massive Palestine problem that's not going to go away. This yep. this is I have not seen a schism in the Democrat rank and file. And I I I do this for a living, Megan. And I'm just like, wow, you know, 
I love to be shocked and surprised. I did not have on my bingo card, you know, Gaza, you know, splintering yeah. the Democrat Party. You know and, what? I have to say, I, my first thought on it, like after all the other thoughts, I guess it wasn't my first, but I mean, you know, on, in terms of the electoral impact on on what's happening in the Middle East, is maybe this will be the thing that will finally lead the Dems to close the border when they realize what <laughs> what immigration has done in places like Michigan and Minnesota, which is coming back to it's one thing they wanted it to come back to haunt the Republicans. Now it's coming back to haunt yes. them. That's a totally different matter. Just ask anybody who's trying in to get a, into the United <laughs> States from Cuba. They see it very differently that, depending on your, that's right. your politics coming in. They already had a problem in the Muslim vote with the trans stuff and the abortion stuff. They were on shaky ground, especially Muslim men. They might not be in favor of Republicans, but the trans stuff and the abortion stuff are completely against just mainstream, you know, Muslim theology, regardless of anyone's opinions on that. And now they're on even shakier ground with the whole Democrat Party splintered over this. So now, now we look at this, we say, OK, what does this mean? Donald Trump's superpower is an immovable base. It's his superpower. Yes. Joe Scarborough said it perfectly on MSNBC, and he said it with kind of regret. I don't think things could get any worse for Donald Trump, and he's doing very well. Yeah, they kind of threw every, what else? You're going to throw another 700 years of prison at him? You're trying to tell me that an indictment or a conviction in Fulton County is going to is gonna move his base away? No. The one that does pose a threat, though, Jill Stein will hurt Joe Biden, Cornell West will hurt Joe Biden, RFK will hurt Donald Trump, but that is movable. I think you can move RFK's numbers down a little bit, honestly, because he is a Massachusetts liberal who happens to be really good on COVID, and I have great respect for him on that. But I think people are going to wake up a little bit because he's been he's basically— not trans. No, he's not. He, he said, I'm going to be the most pro-trans president. That is a big loser for anybody that has been paying attention. So I hope we get yep. the truth out about RFK's true loyalties there. But is this, and I don't know how deep you want to get into this, this Manchin-Romney thing, both yeah, yeah. of which okay, so wait, are- wait, wait. Let, me, let me tee it up. Let me tee it up. So that's the other big news of the day in the third party lane. Joe Manchin announcing that he's not going to run for re-election as a senator, Democrat senator, though centrist uh, in West Virginia, which is the only kind of Democrat who can get elected statewide in West Virginia. He's not going to run again. He's 76 too. Why is everybody 76? Where, where, why? They're all 76 or 77 or 80, whatever. So he says he's not going to run again. It seems very clear he's he's getting ready to run with this third party, no labels, which is going to be on the ballot and and uh, it actually will launch a candidate. And here's why people think it's not just a resignation. It's something much more. Here's here he was on Thursday in a video. After months of deliberation and long conversation with my family, I believe in my heart of hearts that I have accomplished what I set out to do for West Virginia. I've made one of the toughest decisions of my life and decided that I will not be running for re-election to the United States Senate. But what I will be doing is traveling the country and speaking out to see if there is an interest in creating a movement to mobilize the middle and bring Americans together. Public service has and continues to drive me every day. That is the vow that I made to my father over 40 years ago, and I intend to keep that vow until my dying day. Mm, if there is an interest in creating a movement to mobilize the middle. Go ahead with your point. Yeah, so he's probably going to run for president, no labels. So I, I have on good authority here, Megan. I know some wealthy donors that 
are not as conservative as I am, but we're still on great terms. We're friends and we've been friends for years and they're getting hit up by no labels. No labels is doing conference calls. They're ramping up. It's real. So just so everyone knows in the audience, no labels is a donor driven project where honestly, some of their analysis of the political landscape is rooted in truth, but it's going to be a a, a money grab for consultants, the likes of which we haven't seen since Mayor Bloomberg's run for the office where he spent a billion dollars to get like an electoral, you know, like a delegate in Guam, right? Or something where it's like, (laughs) what was that? He he spent like a billion dollars and I think Doug Schoen made like 15 million. I don't know. Doug Schoen's actually a good guy, but it's like, it was like, we've 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 never seen Right. No, but it was true. I think Mayor Bloomberg spent like a billion dollars to get like a person in Guam to say I'm, I'm a Bloomberg delegate. It is it was one of the most it was one of the funniest stories in the history of politics, how it wasn't like a Showtime Netflix Hulu documentary of, you know, this former mayor of New York that spends a billion dollars to win a guy in Guam. I, I still think it was one of the missed opportunities. It still could be done anyway. So th- th- this is this is largely going to be a grift for consultants. Right. That, let's just be honest. However, this on its surface will hurt Donald Trump because Donald Trump's path to victory in normal circumstances is he needs to win over the college educated suburban voters that are upset about inflation and they're upset about crime, but they want more nuanced solutions, Megan. They don't want necessarily the conservative position on all this stuff. They'd rather have a, an, a, a very agreeable approach to politics. Now, a lot of this is unrealistic, but it, it is admirable in some ways, I guess, to try to find you know middle consensus because that's the way that politics works. At the same time, let, let's take a step back. This could hurt Joe Biden in the sense where the Democrats – New, the new coalition for Democrats is skewing and skewing more and more college educated, more and more suburban and less and less rural and less and less Hispanic and, le- and increasingly less and less with black men. The no labels mantra will be this. It will be highly nuanced, sophisticated, not sophisticated, I, I guess sophisticated is a good way to put it, messaging on TV deliverables to college educated white voters specifically saying, why can't we get back to find the middle? That will not work with the Democrat base. They don't want that, right? The Rashida Tlaibs, the AOCs, and Joe Biden needs those people, so he's already gonna lose those. And that's not gonna work with the Donald Trump MAGA base, right? That's an immovable 40% of the country. It will work though with, for example, a Mormon, a typical Mormon voter in the East Valley of Arizona in Chandler or Mesa or Gilbert, right? These are people that voted for Jeff Flake. They voted for Mitt Romney. And they right. they are asking themselves, can't we find like a middle way? That's going to hurt. I, I will say this, and I'm probably going to be one of the few people. I think no labels hurts both Biden and Trump. Where it gets very interesting, though, is that what if Mitt Romney runs for the presidency with Joe Manchin? Let's just say that's a thing. No labels. Because that's, that's one Mitt of the Romney, things being potentially reported right now, uh, although no labels yes. is not confirming that. What, what if he wins a state? What if he wins Utah? What if he wins a state that has six electoral votes? That's not unrealistic. You senator from there, right? A lot of independent type minded people. What if he w- he could potentially win Arizona? That's where it gets really interesting, right? So is Joe Biden counting on the math to win Arizona, but it brings down the threshold for the Republicans. So you need 270 electoral votes to win. Utah has six electoral votes. Nevada has six electoral votes. It's Mitt Romney or Joe Manchin, they're not going to get to 270, right? But they're enough to play spoiler. But spoiler for who? Well, that's where it gets even more interesting, Megan. Take a state like Pennsylvania, right? So Pennsylvania, if you have five different candidates, 
Donald Trump by far has the most enthusiastic base of any candidate that we winning in Pennsylvania, running in Pennsylvania. So if you have Jill Stein that gets 2% and Cornell West that gets 2% and Manchin and um, Romney that get 8% and Donald Trump gets 38% and Joe Biden gets 37%, that's just some rough math off the top of my head. Well, now you're, all of a sudden you're, you're, you're looking at Donald Trump being president or, as I mentioned before the break, nobody gets the 270. And that means it will go to the U.S. House of Representatives. And then it gets really fun where the House of Representatives decides the president, but each state gets one vote. So each state votes as a delegation. So Wyoming gets the same vote as California. And um, in the current composition, Republicans have a two-seat edge in that way. That, that would, um, that, that would, what would they call that? They would say that was a constitutional crisis is what they would call oh, it. Yeah. But in some ways, Megan, this is inevitable. It's inevitable because you have a, a president who is incredibly radical, who doesn't care about the needs, wants, and interests, has been doing stuff so out of the mainstream of the country. And you think about it, everything in our country is highly customized. How you order your food, how you watch your Netflix, and people are now demanding that same sort of customization in their politics. Right. Mm-hmm. We're like, well, maybe I'm more like RFK or Jill Stein. And they don't want to have to fit into a two party model. And the question is, who does that benefit the most? I believe that it helps Donald Trump. His base is immovable. And especially in the states that matter, I, I think that it could be a defining, defining aspect mm-hmm. to his to his victory. Uh, just a little color. That was fascinating analysis on the RFK factor. They at least according to this Bloomberg poll right now, he's pulling near equal support away from Biden and Trump. About 8% of voters he's taking from, uh, I think, Trump and uh, 7% of Biden, but or vice versa. And in any event, right now he's pulling equally from both. We'll see. We'll see. Because no one's really taking him seriously or taking serious uh, shots at him. Charlie Kirk stays with us. So much more to get to. Tired of fighting your kids to make their bed? Say hello to Betty's. The unique design lets your kids make their bed with just a zip. Our patented bedding includes everything you need, a fitted sheet, top sheet, and comforter in one seamless piece that zips together. Kids love the feeling of accomplishment when they can make their bed by themselves every day. Make your mornings easier and visit Bettys.com. That's B-E-D-D-Y-S dot com. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Nike, Walmart, and Zappos. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you can get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. So, Charlie, um, I wanted to to go over a couple of things that, that we were just talking about, which is the losses uh, the other night and what's to blame for them and whether, you know, the ignoring some of the culture issues of the GOP debate. There is a think piece, uh, I think I think it's in today's New York Times, by Jamel Bowie. This guy's, you know, he's one of those radical woke leftists. And he writes, the GOP's culture war shtick is wearing thin 
with voters. Of course, this was inevitable. He writes, uh, if the results of Tuesday's elections in Virginia, Kentucky, and Ohio tell us anything, it's that this post-Roe form of culture warring is an abject failure, an approach that repels and alienates voters far more than it appeals to or persuades them. Goes on to say, um, one of the state Senate candidates that Youngkin endorsed in Virginia uh, wanted to revisit a failed bill that would have required schools to notify parents if there was any hint a child was interested in transgender identity. The horror, Charlie, the horror. Segura lost his race and Youngkin and his fellow Republicans failed to either flip the state Senate or hold on to the House. Uh, Then he talks about Ohio. Some Ohio Republicans also tried to turn their fight against a reproductive rights initiative. That's the pro-abortion thing into a battle over transgender rights, falsely stating that the wording of the amendment would allow minors to obtain gender affirming surgeries. Okay, that's not what they are without parental consent. On Tuesday, Ohio's voters backed the initiative in spite of that messaging, 56 to 43 percent. And then he closes with, um, uh, ironically, given the Republican Party's strategic decision to link the two, uh, you know, trans and abortion, there is the chance that when fused together with support for abortion rights, vocal opposition to the rights of transgender people becomes a clear signal for extremist views. The vibe is off, one might say, and voters have responded accordingly. So he has turned everything that happened on Tuesday into a rejection of, quote, culture war issues involving surgeries in which you're chopping minor children's body parts off, which he thinks that the opposition to that is a problem. Yeah, I think we have to look at this honestly. I think you're you're hitting it perfectly, Megan. Some of the culture war issues are major winners and some we have to really do work on. Now, I'm 100% pro-life, but also we have to be honest that we've spent so much attention and time in the last couple of decades trying to win the legal argument on abortion. We are not winning the moral argument or doing a good enough job of messaging on that. And I could go into depth of how I think we could do a much better job on that. And especially when it comes to these ballot referendums, it, it's clear that the American people at least from a 55 to 60% margin, they want some form of access to abortion as an insurance policy or as a just in case last resort type measure. And the enthusiasm plus the money and the infrastructure that Democrats are spending around these issues and mobilizing, especially young women and suburban women on these issues are proving to be decisive. But Megan, I think a retreat from the culture war would be a massive mistake, especially on the trans issue. The trans issue is a major winner. In fact, I think we have the Democrats on defense on this issue, which is the, the the very same you know people that might get very emotional about you know the abortion issue i think they actually in some ways would equally get as emotional if you tell them that like for example in california that a bill died in the california legislature saying that we were going we just want to notify a parent if your kid is currently taking quote unquote gender affirming care aka chemical castration so i look at this across the landscape and i say look A lot of work to do on the abortion topic, an issue especially going on in 2024. How do we message about it? How do we handle it from a policy perspective? How do you handle it federally versus state, sending it to the states and also doing it in a compassionate yet effective way as, you know, Republicans and conservatives, understanding that still about half the country feels the way I do and has pro-life beliefs. But also, I'm not going to live under any delusions of grandeur and say that these election results are necessarily promising for, you know, legislative objectives in that way. But If we look at the 2024 election, if the election is solely about abortion, if that's it, then I think Republicans are going to lose. There are 50 or 60 other issues that 
I think um, voters are very worried about border economic anxiety, inflation, deficit spending, you know, what's going on with wars, coupled with many other, the trans stuff, parents' rights, education, school choice, crime, I could keep on going. And so, look, this is where the RNC really should play a leadership role, which is identifying we have a messaging issue, identifying that we have a problem communicating to these voters, bringing the different tribes together, figuring out how to get onto the same message. The Democrats are so good on this, Megan. They bring in all their different people and they're, oh, it's a threat to our democracy and threat to our democracy. They all say very similar stuff. There's no such, there is no similar coordinated messaging program on our side whatsoever. It's just kind of all, well, I read it on Twitter and now we're going to use it. It's actually miraculous at how coordinated the American right becomes without any sort of central oper- you know, central <laughs> operating uh, cohesion. The final thing I'll say is this though, is that Parents' rights, regardless of the spin of that, is a winning issue. Parents' rights is a winning issue, especially with Hispanic voters. Hispanic and black voters have high distrust of educational institutions that are trying to trans their kids, you know, from boys to girls or girls to boys. Okay, so this leads me to this amazing clip that you guys call to our attention, and it's spectacular. Um, You talked over the past hour about sort of the, the factions within the Democratic Party and how things are fracturing. And you just mentioned how there's a split, you know, Muslim men, they're not in, Muslims in general, not into the trans thing, not nor are Hispanics, nor are black men. Um, I don't know that black women are into it either, other than the super woke ones. I mean, I, I had uh, black friends when we were living in New York City who this was like their number one issue and they were actively working to keep this shit out of the schools. This is, it was a hardcore no for them, the trans stuff. So in any event, you're seeing that that come to fruition a bit on the streets as these pro-Palestinian protesters, like who are Antifa-ish in some cases, are now finding themselves, I'm sorry, the pro-Palestinian protesters out there finding themselves with the pro-trans Antifa-like people, they call them trans-Tifa, uh, that are out there who are the most rabid protesters I that exist. That. And this clip is absolute gold. Where did it happen, you guys? Do we know where this was, was from? It was in London. Yeah. It was this Billboard Chris, I think it is. Yeah, yeah this Chris. is yeah. Uh, in London. Yeah, this is in London. Okay, so yeah. Billboard Chris is like a, a servant to humanity. He, This guy is amazing. Yes, he goes he out there with his billboards calling attention to what's being done to children. And, uh, and just a, a point on Charlie's co- comment about chemical castration. If you don't believe him, go look up what the Mayo Clinic says happens to your kid. If you put them on puberty blockers and then move them exactly to cross gender hormones, go look up what the Mayo Clinic says on it. It, They back Charlie Kirk up. okay? so just stop with the censorship and the judgment. Um, So Billboard Chris goes out there trying to call attention to this problem, as outlined by the Mayo Clinic and others. And um, he gets attacked, but he does it. He goes, it doesn't matter. He doesn't. He takes all the barbs and arrows. And in this particular instance, he was in the middle of some pro-Palestinian protesters. But then in comes what I I think is trans Tifa. And watch, watch the gold that ensues. This guy is trying to propagate anti-LGBTQ, anti-LGBTQ propaganda. He's trying to tell children that they are not allowed to be trans. Yeah, they know. Yeah, they know. Um, agree with your faith. Thank you. What religion are you? 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 What 
Okay, so for, for the listening audience, what happened there is this guy wearing the mask and the hoodie and all black. I don't know if he's part of Antifa or what, but he's dressed like those trans Tifa protesters do. And he goes out there and he gets in Billboard Chris's face. And he's upset because Billboard Chris is calling attention to the issue. And he tries to recruit these pro-Palestinian protesters who've got like the scarf on that we see and all these things. And uh, he's like, he is he is drawing negative attention to the trans community. And they're like, right on, Billboard Chris. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Billboard. Well, <laughs> what what uh, billboard first just a quick takeaway on billboard chris what a great example of how one man can make a big impact that he, he just decided to show up and do the work 2500 hours of activism and he has changed millions of minds and inspired hundreds of thousands of people i think it's so inspiring and encouraging everyone in the audience you could be like billboard chris you know, he doesn't he he self describes himself as not having any sort of special talent. I think his superpower is his courage and his grit. I think that is a superpower. And but he says, look, I'm just a normal guy and the West will be saved by normal guys like guys and gals like Billboard Chris. So I just want to just brag on him. He, we had him on our podcast. He was amazing. I was blown away by his attitude and his humility and his servant type uh, discipline. Okay, so so Billboard Chris goes there and you see really exposed there, Megan, something that everyone I think needs to be made aware of, which is intersectionality. I, I happen to be really well versed in this because I fight it every single day on college campuses. Yes. And on its surface, it's comical, right? But below the surface, it's horrifying, which of course, I, I just, I can't get over it. I was at UCLA and they have, you know, the 1,300 people from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. They're protesting outside and I'm just watching. And then you have these people draped in the gay flag and the trans flag with the Palestinian flag from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. And, you know, it says queers for Palestine. And I, I'm like, do you guys talk ever? Do you guys compare notes like on worldview? You know, just how, 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 do, how do they treat the, the gay community in, uh, in Gaza? And again, that, that, that's the, that's the simple take and that's important to expose and that video shows it because they start fighting it shows by the way how fragile their coalition is it yeah. shows the fault lines and i can be honest the right we have a lot of problems we're constantly debating our fault lines we know where everyone stands that person's a neocon and that person is that it shows that we are the true ambassadors of free speech on our side because we're constantly arguing with one another they're right there like well, what do you mean we don't believe in this and so what, what it goes to this is that intersectionality is the combination of different forces different viewpoints different religions that all might be identified as oppressed against a bigger oppressor. Kimberly Crenshaw was the author of intersectionality, where you get groups that otherwise might have stated contradictions to work in harmony with one another, to thwart, to challenge, to oppose, or to try to destroy a bigger or greater evil. And the Palestine-Israel issue is exposing this, where you see many of these groups that otherwise would hate one another, as you see demonstrated in that video, working together in tandem to oppose America, to oppose Israel. And we can go through the whole gauntlet. This is exactly why the socialist group was the first group, Megan, to host a Hamas-sympathizing rally not on October 8th, the day after the attacks in Israel, a socialist group. What is a group that ostensibly is about workers' rights and unionization and, you know, one, two, three, F the bourgeoisie 
and all about kind of Marxist liberation of the, you know, the world working class and the workers of the world unite. Why are they the first group to host radical Muslims on the streets of New York saying some of those vile stuff that we still have documented in the last month, Megan? What is that all about? Why is that Black Lives Matter Chicago Global Network, they've deleted the post, but why were they quick to post a paraglider? What does Black Lives Matter, that is all about black liberation and police brutality and criminal justice reform, what do they have to do with, you know, a struggle happening 5,000 miles away? It's because in intersectionality, one struggle is all of their struggles. Their, their identity is going after the big Satan, the big oppressor. And they label that as colonialist Western civilization rooted in white supremacy and they're willing to then combine forces under the guise of social justice liberation. Where we need to expose, what we need to do is more videos like that, is show that their army is built with warring tribes that temporarily have a detente to oppose us, when in reality, they hate each other. That there, there is, the, the trans Tifa and the Muslim groups, if they spoke for one minute, their coalition would completely fall apart. Yeah, that's all it took. Like you said, have you guys talked to each other? Because uh, like, it, it didn't even require somebody to say, have you seen his black nail polish? It's a dude and he's got that. And she was like all over exactly. it. Like, it's a no, no, there will be no coalition. Team billboard. <laughs> it was pretty spectacular. All right. You you mentioned sort of BLM and how this, a lot of this stuff got started. BLM was around, of course, before George Floyd. And one of the cases that really brought it into existence several years ago, I was on Fox primetime at the time, was Freddie Gray in Baltimore. Now, bear with me on this. You don't know where I'm going, but I'm going to walk you through it. Freddie Gray was this guy who allegedly was given a rough ride by these Baltimore police officers, and he ultimately died. He was a black suspect, but they said they threw him in the back of this police van, rode around wildly while he was handcuffed, and he was allegedly shook from side to side of the of the police van and died. And um, the the D.A. at the time in Baltimore was a woman named Marilyn Mosby. I don't know if you remember this, Charlie, because I know you're so young. I, I always feel like when I reference back to the mid teens, you were probably in like high school. Um, but oh, just Marilyn about. Mosby. Yeah, she she made national news because it was a powder keg. You know, this guy, Freddie Gray, had died. His homeless guy is a drug addict. He has all sorts of problems with the police. And they were saying these white cops, you know, he killed him. They put him in the back of this van and they killed him, except it all fell apart. Uh, there were all sorts of witnesses to say that that's a lie. It didn't happen, whatever. But she would not listen. And she allowed the protests in Baltimore, which set things on fire. And the whole country was watching this like are you, you're it was the beginning of the erosion of the rule of law. Right. Like you're the D.A. Prosecute the people who are they're setting off Molotov cocktails and throwing them at cop cars. What are you doing? She allowed it and, and she made it as so many of these intersectionality people do about her and her people yep. in one of my favorite clips of all my news career. Here's Marilyn Mosby in SOT 16. To the youth of this city, I will seek justice on your behalf. This is a moment. This is your moment. And as young people, our time is now. This is a moment. This is your mo No, it's not. It's about one man and six police officers and what happened in the back of that van. So she was completely motivated by all these forces that you and I are just discussing. Well, Marilyn Mosby did go after those six cops and they all 
either wound up acquitted or with hung juries. And then, of course, the feds came in to try to cause trouble for them, too. But she railroaded those guys. They didn't they did not kill anyone. That's not what the jury's found. She wouldn't let it go. She wouldn't let it go. So what happened to Marilyn Mosby? Something interesting. Um, She has now been convicted on two counts of perjury by a federal jury. Oh, Marilyn, your moment. It's not going. Is this your moment? Is this your time? Is this? (laughs) I do think this is our moment. Um, The federal jury reached a verdict on Thursday, finding her guilty of perjury after she she falsely claimed financial hardship during the COVID-19 pandemic in order to withdraw money from the city's retirement fund. Now, this had come up earlier. She'd been accused of this when she was running for re-election. And one of the constituents in Baltimore was like, hey, you did a bunch of shit. You took money out. You claimed financial hardship when you were making $250,000 a year to get money to go get two houses, two extra houses for yourself. Why should we vote for you? And listen to her once again, playing the victim, playing one of the intersectionality cards because she's a black woman. Listen here in SOT 17. I'm concerned right now, given the optics of your situation, how any person in Baltimore can feel comfortable with a state's attorney who spends time in Florida flaunting eggs, annual salary of $250,000, and then decides to do what many people in our city can't do, take money out of their pension fund so they can flip houses. I think that I'm being racially and politically and personally they're being attacked. It was the race. That's why that constituent attacked her. Well, a federal court disagrees, and now she is convicted. Two counts of perjury and faces two more counts of making false mortgage applications in a pending federal case related to the purchase of those two Florida vacation homes. I'm sorry, but it's totally delicious. I love the whole story. She was hoisted on her own petard and her attempts to claim my race did not work. And the law in the end won here, both in the case of those cops, in those trials she brought, and in the case of the trial brought against her. They, I remember the story when it was happening, and I remember it was after Ferguson, if I remember correctly. And it was it was another chapter in kind of the BLM brewing of America. Now, what we saw with Floyd Palooza was kind of workshopped, you know, in with hands up, don't shoot Michael Brown. And what 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 is the through line of so many of these things, Megan, is that the truth was came so much later. Remember that CNN panel with. Uh, all those people and they had the hands up. Remember, do you remember that famous image where all five of them had the hand? It never happened. He never had the hands up. Don't shoot. And that was obviously in Missouri. Look, the this doesn't shock me. And it's a tragedy because the people of Baltimore deserve better than this. Baltimore is honestly one of America's saddest cities. It is. They cannot find a kid that can read at grade level in Baltimore. The crime is through the roof. Literally, they, they cannot find a kid in fifth or sixth grade in all the public schools in Baltimore that can read at grade level. And Go figure that the actual person in charge of enforcing crime, she, she herself is a criminal. But of course, it's the race card. And instead of taking responsibility for your own actions, she wants to play the victim. Mm-hmm. There's another clip making the rounds today, which is also perfect along these lines. I'm sure you've seen it. But this woman gets pulled over by the cops. And it's like you couldn't find a more polite, nice police officer. I mean, he's just like officer friendly. He pulls her over because it looked like she was drunk driving, I guess. And she tries to play 
every victim card in the book. And the cop is just like a model of professionalism. We almost never, I always tell my team, don't, don't cut sound bites that are more than a minute long. Like it's too long for television or, um, on screen. It's just my experience. Audiences don't like it. This one's two minutes. We're going to play every second. It's worth it. Watch and listen. I have like really bad social anxiety and stuff. I get you. This person. Right back here, please. Miss Perry? Am I? Well, I'm non-binary, so. Okay. What do you go by? It's Kai. How can I refer to you tonight? Kai? Kai? Okay. Hey, I'm smelling alcohol. I know. How much have you consumed tonight? Like probably three drinks. I need to run you through some tests right now. Stand facing me, please. But I just want you to know that I also have very bad social anxiety. You and me both. Okay. Okay. Any recent head trauma, traumatic brain injuries, anything I need to know about? Uh, mental, yes. Focus on my finger, please. I am. You're just like trying to intimidate me. I don't know how I'm trying to do that. This is the test. As you know, as an indigenous person and there's a bunch of sh going around, <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's just for me to be on my toes. I get you. Can you remember that I told you that? non-binary yeah i'll try my hardest i'll refer to you as kai right <laughs> yes perfect i need to know if you have any injuries or anything that would prevent you from doing a standard walk or a turn tonight mental health um any physical injuries mental yeah <laughs> can you not call me ma'am please i'm trying my hardest okay well okay it means a lot to me i'm trying my hardest i don't feel like a man so okay it's kind of triggering right foot in front of your left nope go back i'm sorry but the whole man thing just like i apologize let's see if we can move okay. forward from it yeah i just want to tell you that i suffer from really bad anxiety especially uh, with generational trauma and ptsd around <laughs> white people and cops like it's just, you're going to get, a I don't, don't resist. I, that I is unbelievable. Everything. Thank you, God. I, 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 wonderful clip. I, I had to write it down. So Megan, I got, she's non-binary indigenous. Did you get, she got anxiety. Did you hear that? Yeah. Yes, she only said that six anxiety. times. <laughs> Mental health, PTSD, white people, and my favorite generational trauma. That, that, that it's just it's just it's it's just it's just it's just in it's in the dna it, it just I, I there's nothing i could do about it and what, what i love is god bless this officer is that he was just like all right i'm trying my best okay thank you trying my best i this is going to sound a little wild for some of your audience that behavior is trained on college campuses that behavior oh, that that is no it is which is it's not your fault it's find some sort of excuse, some sort of identity, some sort of badge. She there. Is it a she or I, can't, I couldn't get straight. Is it's it actually a, a man or is it a woman? Won't, I, it's a, it's, it looks to me very clearly like a white woman who's claiming to be not a woman and not white. But what, indigenous? What are you, Irish? Like, I mean, give me a break. It's just like this is I, 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 this whole. Right. Yeah, exactly. Which is that that it is the one of the most uh, unbelievably powerful videos I've seen of the oppression Olympics on display, which is, yes. I don't get special points. It was every single box, right? It was, and by the way, we can laugh at it, 
But how is that video any different than how we do our college admissions, Megan? How is that video right. any different? Oh my God, that's a great point. How is that any different? Because no, if, you, if exactly. you write an essay to get into Stanford and I'm indigenous and I'm non-binary, I suffer from generational trauma, mental health, PTSD, and I don't like white people, the dean of Stanford would say, congratulations, you get a full ride. We'd welcome, love to have welcome. you. No, I can't so wait this to Mike she's, 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 she's going to get up there and say, I identify as sober. Well, and he just misunderstood. <laughs> no, it's like she actually tried to blame her failure of the sobriety. Of course. Walk, you know, yes. one foot on the fact that he had called her ma'am. You know, it's just the ma'am thing. It was very, very triggering. But Good luck. She's going to try we, to raise that at trial, I'm sure. We, we laugh about this. But if you read the critical theory literature, this is where the legal system will end up. Where, I mean, think about it. We have, we have prosecutors that say we need to allow people of color out and accommodate them. The next step is going to be, well, if you're suffering from non-binary, indigenous anxiety, mental health, PTSD, what hatred of white people, generational trauma, we'll give you a pass. <laughs> the generational trauma is the best. It's just like- No, the that's the kicker. At, at, at that point, it's, I've thrown everything at, and I say, what else do I got? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a two-spirit. I, I was waiting for that one. The, the, I'm, I'm a, I'm a two-spirit. <laughs> Evergreen College, that's what they were yelling at Brett Weinstein. We come from slaves. They, too, wanted the generational trauma thing because of what happened um, a couple hundred years ago. It's a no. I love it all. They're exposing themselves bit by bit. And what's happening on the college campuses couldn't, you know, you're exactly right. We have an update on that. Some of the poster nonsense. I'll take a quick break. Come back with that. Loving the discussion today with Charlie Kirk, as I always do. Stand by. I'm Megan Kelly, host of The Megan Kelly Show on Sirius XM. It's your home for open, honest, and provocative conversations with the most interesting and important political, legal, and cultural figures today. You can catch The Megan Kelly Show on Triumph, a Sirius XM channel featuring lots of hosts you may know and probably love. Great people like Dr. Laura, Glenn Beck, Nancy Grace, Dave Ramsey, and yours truly, Megan Kelly. You can stream The Megan Kelly Show on Sirius XM at home or anywhere you are. No car required. I do it all the time. I love the Sirius XM app. It has ad-free music coverage of every major sport, comedy, talk, podcast, and more. Subscribe now. Get your first three months for free. Go to SiriusXM.com slash MKShow to subscribe and get three months free. That's SiriusXM.com slash MKShow and get three months free. Offer details apply. Tired of fighting your kids to make their bed? Say hello to Betty's. The unique design lets your kids make their bed with just a zip. Our patented bedding includes everything you need. A fitted sheet, top sheet, and comforter in one seamless piece that zips together. Kids love the feeling of accomplishment when they can make their bed by themselves every day. Make your mornings easier and visit Bettys.com. That's B-E-D-D-Y-S.com. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Nike, Walmart, and Zappos. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you can get your cash back through PayPal or check. 
The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Today, yet another case of when people show you who they are, believe them. That was a Maya Angelou quote. Meet one of the latest members of the hostage poster, Take Down Hall of Shame. Stop anti-Semitism, great, great account to follow on X, posted this clip of a young blonde woman giggling as she tore down poster after poster of the victims of those Hamas kidnappings. Watch. Why are you taking those down? Uh. <laughs> Why are you laughing? That's, just, that's not funny. Um, genocide is there, so... It's not a genocide. They're kidnapped individuals. Mm, so funny. So cute. As is so often the case, that lovely lady has now been identified. According to Stop Anti-Semitism, her name is Rachel Burney. And of course, Rachel is currently in a PhD program at the University of Southern California and is a teaching assistant in the physics department as well. Good luck to the Jewish students under Rachel. She apparently played soccer at Wesleyan College in Connecticut. There's her team picture still smiling there. 2021 roster picture showing her. Rachel's originally from Redmond, Washington, Washington State, that is, starting to make sense. And there are unconfirmed reports that she may actually be the daughter of a very prominent politician there. Of course, if it is the same Bernie, uh, her mother was just reelected mayor of Redmond, Washington, uh, ran for reelection this week. I'm going to guess she's a Democrat. <laughs> yeah, she's a Democrat. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Kirk. Nice. So the physics TA and getting her Ph.D. at USC in science and math. Um, she thinks it's hilarious. All those kidnapped babies and their suffering. Such a fun laugh. I mean, th these are sick people. The first of all, you know, some people say, oh, why are you outing these kids? She's getting a Ph.D. This is not a kid. This is someone who's who is thinking about writing a dissertation. OK, this is someone who's going to be in charge of instruction. OK, and th this this person desires to be publicized and any decent uh, you know, board that would then read a PhD, like, sorry, we're not going to grant you a PhD. Uh, you're kind of similar to a Nazi, to be perfectly honest. And here's what drives me nuts, Megan. This is one of the tragedies of the left. There, there's a lot. I have a list. Is the dilution of language. And for, for example, after January 6th, everyone became a terrorist. Recently, if you dare you say anything in the last couple of years, you're a Nazi. You're a bigot. What happens when we need to use those words, Megan? Well, they don't mean anything. So now we say, oh, you're a terrorist sympathizer. People say, eh. The, the left has cheapened language so significantly. So now when I say that, you know, you're tearing down posters that are of Israeli hostage, people that are hostages that are Jews, and you're just tearing them down. What exactly do you think you're doing? Getting a, getting a good chuckle out of that? No, the, these are people that morally are no different than we're facilitating the trains to Dachau. I know that might sound radical to some people, but it, it is very similar type of behavior. No, I, I think it is. I think it is morally right within the same ballpark. And so where, where does this come from? I mean, 
Jew hatred, anti-Semitism. But she, this is what's so unbelievably important about this. If you took Rachel Bernie after that very moment and you say, what are you doing here? She thinks she's doing the right thing, Megan. She thinks she's oh, yeah. doing the right thing. Because Israel this is why one of, speaking of word dilution. Yes, but yes, exactly. But this is one of my big takeaways. I think we way overemphasize this, even some conservatives at times. Intentions don't matter. The action matters. She herself thinks she's doing something righteous when she's doing something evil. I get this all the time in the trans debate, for example, Megan. A young man came up to an event back in the spring. This clip has gone viral. It's been seen 50 million times. He said, Charlie, I think you're giving Dylan Mulvaney or uh, Thomas a bad thing. Uh, There's no evidence that the intention is to cheat. And we need to be very clear. The intention doesn't matter. The action itself is evil. And this, this Rachel Bernie, she thinks that she's a crusader for righteousness. She thinks she's doing the right thing. When in reality, you know, she... uh, She's missing her SS uniform. She should really, speaking of uniforms, spend some more time thinking about those shorts she was wearing. It was not a good choice, Rachel. You need a little bit more attention on the fashion. Megan, you're, al- you're allowed to say that. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that, but I totally agree. You know agree. you were thinking it. You were thinking the same as I was, and I don't care. I want to mock her. She's disgusting to me. She deserves my scorn and yours as well. And so does this woman. We don't have a lot of editorial on it, but I do want to show it. In Brooklyn, who looks to be college age, who it's just a video. So if you're listening, go back and look at she's look at she's angrily knifing the, the hostage poster. She's got the headscarf on. She's angrily like cutting. It looks like a Jack the Ripper type slicing at the photos. She like the anger at the kidnapped children at the, the little babies who right now don't have diapers or food or supplies or their mothers. She's really pissed off. Well, they might them. be dead, to be honest. Yeah, they, they might yeah, be dead. Right. Let's just be honest. I mean, and by the way, there's 20 Americans. By the way, Megan, just the kind of a buried lead here. How many Americans are still being held hostage? Mm-hmm. Joe Biden has p- played a big game here. We might be having an Iran hostage crisis and no one is talking about this. You're I mean, so just right. just so we're clear there. It's like one of them. It's one of the most obvious stories. Like, where is the regime media saying, hey, can we get an answer of how many American passport holders are still being held hostage and who are they? Yeah, Joe Biden's really pulled a fast one on us on this one. So I think I think we have to really kind of recalibrate our attention and put some because he's trying to do everything he can to avoid a hostage type crisis. Anyway, side note there. But yeah, that sort of rage, that sort of resentment is widespread. If you build your worldview based on hating the other, which is the left, then you could drive yourself to belligerently knifing a poster that says, you know, help find the missing Jewish children. No, I mean, th- this is, th- th- we, we are just beginning the descent into, into moral darkness. And if there's, o- if there's any positive of this, Megan, if there's any positive of this, I've seen more Jewish Americans, to their credit, wake up and realize that they have been swindled by the Marxists and the left. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, pleased, I'm pleased to see that trend. The awakening is wide open right now. COVID brought a lot of people away from the traditional kind of institutional way of viewing health, medicine, and government. Um, BLM opened a lot of people's eyes to education and police and crime. Uh, We saw the trans thing open a lot of women's eyes to the nonsense of empathy, compassion, and tolerance. And if this opens people's eyes, especially Jewish Americans who tend to be on the left, to realize that maybe their donations they're, what they've been subsidizing in reality is underwriting and creating the next generation of mini Hitlers. Hmm. I want to get back to the, this issue with a 
the pro-Palestinian protesters and what they're doing. But just a quick aside, I pulled the headlines. I knew you'd be interested in this as I was on the trans thing and what the radical left is doing and the language that you discussed, how they manipulate it. Headline today from The Federalist, Biden's HHS wants to nuke the definition of nuclear family from its regulations. So there's a new rule that's been proposed just now by President Biden, his department of HHS, Health and Human Services, seeking to quietly redefine family by ridding child support regulations of biological terms like mother, father, and paternity. They want to replace words describing female and male parents with gender neutral words like parentage, parentage. There's no more mothering or fathering or mother or father. And they also want to get rid of his and her and replace them uniformly with their just bit by bit. They take these things away. And to me, it gets me so angry the more I read about it, because what's happened here, people need to remember this, what's happened here is men, biological men who are not well, who are clearly having some sort of mental breakdown, illness, struggle, pick your choice, have decided that they want to pose as women. They want to dress as women. They want to have their body parts cut off and have fake women parts put all over them. Then they want to take our womanhood and the terms that define it away from us. They want to get rid of breastfeeding. They want to get rid of the term woman. They want to say you're you're a vagina haver. I mean, they and we are allowing them in the name of tolerance. We are allowing them to erase womanhood. These sick biological men. And and now you have the federal government, the Biden administration going along with it. I realize these language changes are not the entire issue, Charlie. But this issue of what they're doing to children, what what they're doing to women is a huge issue. And it's why the other day, after the big losses on Tuesday, I was saying, look, even if you're as pro-life as they come, you know, Lila Rose, she's the most pro-life person I know. And I love and respect what she does. But we need to win elections. There are a lot of issues that are deeply important to more than half the country. I'm sorry, but full bans on abortion are going to have to wait. The public's not there. And we're having an invasion at the southern border. I really think that's a fair term at this point. And we're we're mutilating children. YouTube, that's my word. Go ahead and cut it out if you don't like it. Um, And yet we're losing all these elections because we're singularly focused on this one thing. In any event, I just wanted to raise that with you because I know you're as upset about the language and the erosion by the federal government as I am. Yes. Well, first of all, I just want to say I'm I'm equally as passionate about life as Lila Rose. I'm a monthly donor to the organization. Uh, I am a a little bit of a contrarian voice that if you don't win, you get none of your pro-life objectives. And there are other issues that are life issues as well. And my argue, I, I got in a little bit of a texting debate. It was mutual. It was great. It was per, a person who's a pro-life leader. And he says, Charlie, we should never back away from the pro-life issue. I said, hear me out. I said, the trans issue is a pro-life issue. I said, you're, you're, cho- you're chopping kids. Just hear me out. You are chopping off kids' parts off at 12 years old. You know, we as pro-life advocates believe that, you know, if you terminate someone eight months in the womb, that that is immoral and wrong. But it's also wrong to chop off a 12-year-old's parts and not tell the parent. And that issue is right now 
a winning motivational issue that is around this kind of culture of life that I think we we want to protect. It is a culture of death, and you know this, Megan, to say to a 14-year-old, to give them a false promise, we're going to stop puberty, put you under multiple hours of surgery that you could somehow become the thing that you're not, and you might have regret one day, and there's no reversing it. This is medieval torture and the medical equivalent of lobotomies, and we're supposed to say that this is you know, gender-affirming care. And one of the things that has animated in the last couple of days is that there's a lot of people say, oh, you know, young women are voting Democrat in major numbers. And there is some truth to that. We see it on campuses. Young men are actually becoming far more right wing than ever before. And they had this Virginia ad that's super cringe, but apparently it worked of, uh, you know, very pink and Barbie and young ladies. Look at what you made me do with the Taylor Swift song and, you know, very kind of feminist rights. And, you know, this whole thing, I don't know if you saw the ad or not, Megan, it was kind of cringe, yeah. but apparently it worked. And millions of dollars. Yeah, you, you you would, I'd love your analysis on it offline. And so, but it's like, okay, got it. You know, vote for Democrat, vote for your abortions. But, and I, I guess this is just, I'm never going to get what we want here. Is there a whisper, just like a little bit of a crumb of all this feminist girl boss Barbie energy towards, I don't know, making sure womanhood continues to exist. Yes. And I, I just, I feel as if I've, I, I know that this is kind of a cliche thing to say now, where are the feminists, where are they? But if, if the entire political movement now is all about a singular issue that, you know, is women's rights, isn't the question that, I don't know, Dylan Mulvaney calling himself a woman, a woman's rights issue? And Megan, help me understand this, because is it that women are more agreeable than men and they don't want to fight on this issue? There's some amazing women fighting out such as yourself, but where is the like revolution in the streets that this warrants? I, I'm, 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 I, they, I'm not women, asking rhetorically. I, I, I don't know. You know, look, part of what makes women absolutely beautiful is their emotionality, their softness. They can be hard and they can be soft, but their softness that, that, you know, comes in, in levels that are typically not in your average male. That's part of what makes us attractive, I think, to men and to the world. And these predators prey on it. They, they take our daughters at the high school, yeah, even so before now, and the college level, and they prey on that natural empathy and emotionality to try to say that's you're so a bad smart. person unless you support these, these people. And they don't even tell the other story. They don't show the, the young girl in Massachusetts who just got her face bashed in by the field hockey that's correct. player. Yes, that's right. Who was a boy. And she's screaming. They don't show the girl. And she's, right. she's screaming. Yes. And the girls are horrified. Yeah. The other girls are deeply traumatized. Yes. You can see it. They don't show that clip. So they're taking advantage of these women and then they're, they're pushing them out onto the streets. And so then they're thinking, I'm just a bad person unless I support this guy. And forgetting that it's a guy thinking, okay, he looks like a woman. He wants me to call him a woman. What harm could it do? That's where I used to be. I've said it before. And then finally, you just look around. If you just open your eyes, you see the harm. And so you can be forgiven yeah. for your prior positions, but you can't be forgiven for not opening your eyes now, right now, right Amen. now. The Amen. eyes must be open. Amen. Amen. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I just, they, 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 are, they are weaponizing, let's say, the best intentions and the, the heart of compassion for young women to be indifferent towards the trans issue. And uh, it, it's it's a moral tragedy what we are what we are living through. And Megan, you deserve great credit. You have opened up many people's eyes, including people in my immediate circle that don't agree with me politically on this issue. I hope you know how how persuasive and effective you've been on it. it and, and you need to continue. You need wow. to keep on doubling and tripling down. There's very few people in public life that are willing to take the stands you've taken, and it's it's very important.
Well, thank you for saying that. I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention all the women who have influenced me. I mean, online, I found so many great mentors and teachers uh, from Carrie and Britt who come on here all the time to Kelly J. Keene. There's just so many, too many for me to mention here. So my apologies to them all. But I've had a lot of them on the show. Helen Joyce is brilliant. Anyway, um, thank you for that. So let me let me flip back to um, Abigail Schreier. She started it all. Sorry, I'm, I, now I'm, I am going to forget to name them. Um, I want to get back to Palestinian-Israeli uh, conflicts because I've teased the story at the top and I do want to get to what happened in the New York Times. It, it's kind of wonderful to see the New York Times getting eaten by its own, isn't it? Like they're flipping out on the Times because it it has not been honest on the trans issue, but it's done like a couple of mildly fair pieces. So they had all this blowback and all these letters. And now with Israel, they're totally pro Hamas at the New York Times. They really are. I mean, just read their coverage, read their headlines. They just hired a literal Hitler, Hitler lover. He actually posted Hitler. You are so great. It wasn't ambiguous, Charlie. It was, I think, literally those words. (laughs) Yeah, no problem. Um, But you know, it's not enough for these pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas marchers who decided to take over the New York Times lobby. Here's some video of them on the outside, uh, like inside the building, I think. Um, let's watch it. OK, yeah. So it's video where they're they got inside. Look at the number of people for the listening audience. There's out there. First, they are outside and then we'll show them inside. But they were they're everywhere. I mean, there are thousands. They've 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 spray painted IDF KKK on NYPD cop cars. Um, they've graffitied a lot, a lot of cop cars and, and the area. And then they decide to go into the Times building and try to shame the New York Times pro Palestinian. Wait, what? <laughs> By okay. October- I don't even know what she's saying because the only people who were killed on October 7th were the Israelis and not some apartheid Israel. Um, what do you make of it? Because now it, back to your point of the left eating its own more evidence of it right here. Yeah, first of all, they had a ceasefire on October 6th and they decided to end it. So tough. Second point is, is that, I mean, I delight. Yeah, exactly. You declare war. You don't get to complain that the person you declared war on is now beating you at war. Like, we want a ceasefire. No, you're sad you're losing, and you guys declared war. Sorry, tough luck. You killed 1,500 Jews. You targeted civilians. You are still holding them hostage. You went to concerts. Your own detailed military plans that have been made public, and anybody skeptical can look at this. Go look through now the public documents. This was not, let's go to the military base. That's not, not, let's not go after the tanks or try to go after some sort of, you know, missile configuration system. They had detailed plans to civilian corridors. The target, the aim, the objective, what they considered success was the most Jewish blood to be spilled. And now all of a sudden they're protesting and they're mobilizing all these insurgents in this country, complaining, ceasefire now, ceasefire now. Well, you guys had a ceasefire and you ended it. And now you're complaining that you're losing. Okay. So as far as New York Times, I delight in this. I love it. Mm-hmm. I, I hope that every single one of the activist groups that the New York Times has played footsie with, that they have tried to defend. By the way, BlackRock, same thing. BlackRock, their lobby is getting overrun. And and we have said that this is coming Good. for quite some time. It, it just so happens that the the energy, the fervor, the intensity in like the Muslim community is like such at a fever pitch right now that it is exposing these fault lines in the Democrat Party. And this is one of many to come. 
The Democrat Party is going to have a civil war over, you know, the kind of oligarchy, kleptocracy, billionaires that are funding the Democrat Party, antitrust stuff. I mean, there are so many forced marriages, and this is why they have to keep their focus on Donald Trump, Megan. They can keep that coalition together as long as that there's a boogeyman and there's an opposition that they can just say, oh, fascist, you know, together, they're a threat to our democracy. But um, the New York Times, quote unquote, paper of record, like you could just imagine they'd say, but we've, we've covered you so beautifully. I thought we are on right. the same team. It's, it's <laughs> never enough. You will never appease these, I was going to say something not so gentle people. These passionate protesters as ABC's. Yeah, I was going to, I was going to say something else, but I've been so behaved. <laughs> so I was going to just. Not you do have, that. I feel like we both have today. It's as yes. always been such a pleasure, Charlie Kirk. Love, Thank love, you. love talking to you. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Megan. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. And thanks to all of you for joining us all week. Have a great weekend. On Monday, we have Constantin Kissin here. You remember him? He's the co-host of Trigonometry, and he's been all over this Israel thing. He's been so strong on it. Um, you'll love hearing from him and looking forward to bringing you that interview in the meantime. Truly, have a great weekend. Enjoy it. It's wonderful. It's fall. Hope you're going to smell some fall leaves and walk through them and spend some good time with your family. Um, I'm actually looking forward to a girl's weekend with two of my besties. I do not have time to be taking this trip. I'm taking it anyway, a little self-nurturing. Um, I look forward to it every year. It's like one of these days we're going to make a movie about it and we're going to call it same time next year, just like that other movie about something like this. And I'll divulge all of our secrets only. I'll put it under other names. Thanks for listening to the Megan Kelly show. No BS, no agenda, and no fear. Tired of fighting your kids to make their bed? Say hello to Betty's. The unique design lets your kids make their bed with just a zip. Our patented bedding includes everything you need, a fitted sheet, top sheet, and comforter in one seamless piece that zips together. Kids love the feeling of accomplishment when they can make their bed by themselves every day. Make your mornings easier and visit Betty's.com. That's B-E-D-D-Y-S.com.